Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. It is your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back once again with the final episode of the Divisional Breakdowns. We have gone through seven divisions, and we are left with one remaining, the NFC West Division. <clears throat> if you guys are excited, let me know on Twitter at the Truth has one. Chat with me. Let's go. It's super fun. If you guys are new to the series, let me give you a brief rundown on how this works, and then we'll hop into it and get going from there. So if you guys do not know what a divisional breakdown is, it's pretty much my 32 teams in 32 days series, except revamped and combined into one division compared to 32 different episodes. I did it this way because A, I had none of this way before, and B, I wanted to make it easier and honestly more effective for me to kind of go over a whole division and dedicate it to a division compared to one team every day because I could go on for hours about one team. And as far as viewership's concerned, I think it'd be really boring to see, you know, a couple 20 minute uh, or 10 minute uh, shows like for a team compared to a 50 minute team where you get everything in one show. So if you guys are new to that as well, let me give you a brief rundown inside the podcast, how it works. For each team, I'll go over my three key players, my key draft pick and free agent signing, my bust, sleeper, team MVP, three keys to success, and my predictions for the upcoming year. The first team in the NFC West I'm going to talk about is the San Francisco 49ers, and my first key player is going to be Nick Bosa. Now, the 49ers are an interesting team. Uh, they have basically severed ties with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, which is interesting to say just because they, uh, you know, they, they uh, had Jimmy Garoppolo signed and were expecting basically him to be the quarterback for, I guess, an extended period of time. But on the defensive side, Nick Bosa is the catalyst for that 49ers team. Currently sits at 15 and a half sacks with four forced fumbles last year. I mean, the Bosa brothers in the NFL are just complete beasts. 15 and a half sacks was fourth in the league. He's very strong, very mobile. He's the younger brother, so he's got more, um, I guess, years ahead of him. He's only entering his third season in the NFL, or fourth, I believe, sorry. 24 years of age, 6'4", 266 pounds. 6'4", 266 pounds, and if you were to look at the guy, it looked like he's an absolute unit. There's a reason he's so good in the NFL, and he's one of the main factors, not only on the 49ers defense, but the 49ers offense whatsoever. The 49ers typically have a good defense every single year, and it really starts by the linebackers and the defensive end. You look at Nick Bosa, you think, okay, great. Then you look at Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw on that defensive line, and then Fred Warner at the middle linebacker position. The 49ers have a really good foundation as far as defense is concerned. The only question mark is the offense, and we'll talk more about that pretty soon. But the defense, honestly, is going to be steady this year and probably be one of the best defenses in the league. Now, Here's the only flip side with the 49ers defense. They play in the NFC West, and there's some prolific offenses like the Cardinals and the Rams. But for the most part, the 49ers have been able to kind of hold the Rams and even the Cardinals down the past couple of years. And so they've been able to kind of limit that. The biggest thing is, can their offense be as successful? I guess time will tell. Debo Samuel is my next key player. Now, Debo Samuel, for a period of time, didn't really want to be in, uh, in San Francisco. But overall, all-purpose yards last year, he definitely was above the list. He had 77 receptions for 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. He also ran the ball a good amount, too. I need to get his running stats just to see um, where he was at with that. But, you know, he rushed the game – or he rushed games like seven to ten times on average, get a touchdown some yards. So he really was just thrown in the mix of every position possible. It's kind of interesting to see because, obviously, he's that lead wide receiver on that 49ers team. 
And being so widely used, it was interesting to see that he was displeasured with uh, the 49ers team as a whole. But ultimately, he decided to stay in the, the Bay Area. And this year, he looks to be better than ever, in all honesty. Um, he's pretty much the Cordero Patterson of the 49ers, but even better than Cordero Patterson. He's using every facet of the game. And honestly, too, for a 49ers team that I feel like really should run the football and have been trying to run the football, they don't have good running backs. So Debo Samuel getting thrown into the mix and uh, being that kind of running back, as well as wide receiver, is huge for uh, their success. And it showed um, when uh, Debo Samuel was playing, um, he ended up having more success uh, at the running back position compared to other running backs while playing wide receiver at the same time. This year... I expect a similar thing, probably. Um, I, I wouldn't see why not. The only thing is now uh, Trey Lance is the starting quarterback, so that will obviously change the uh, playbook a little bit, and maybe he doesn't get thrown into the running back mix as much, but he's still very valuable at every position. And for fantasy owners, he's a really good guy to have on your team. And then George Kittle, my boy from the University of Iowa, he's now entering his fifth season in the NFL, a fifth-round draft choice from the 49ers. And honestly – Honestly, had a pretty good year last year. 71 receptions, 910 yards, and six touchdowns. A little bit of a down year compared to other years in his career. And honestly, he's actually a really good tight end, uh, to say the least. You know, look at some years like 2018, 2019, he was above 1,000 yards. The past two seasons, he's dealt with some injuries, um, which has kind of prevented him a little bit. But this year, he looks to be healthy for the most part, at least heading into this season. And we'll see how widely he's being going to be able to use that 49ers offense. What I like about Kittle is multiple reasons. One, he's a very good uh, wide receiver as far as tight ends are concerned. He's got great hands. He's very fast, very mobile and athletic. And on the flip side, he's also a very good run blocker. I think his run blocking is way better than his uh, receiving game, which is kind of scary because his receiving game is very good as well. Obviously, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan, so I know a lot about my tight ends, including tight ends in the league currently, like George Kittle, Noah Fant, and TJ Hawkinson. But every Iowa tight end, shares the belief, and honestly is trained to be good run-blocking tight ends first, and then their pass-catching second. And honestly, since he's both, it makes him one of the best uh, tight ends in the league, hence the reason why he's usually finishing in the top three as far as tight ends are concerned. This year, I think hopefully he's able to stay fully healthy, and if he is, Trey Lance is going to utilize him a lot. I mean, Trey Lance trying to get familiar with the league and move forward with the 49ers offense. He's going to want to have that safety blanket to throw to on third down, or even fourth down for that matter, and uh, help the 49ers offense move in the right direction. So George Kittle plays to have another big year. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do on that 49ers offense. Let's go ahead and take a look at my key draft pick and free agent signing. My key draft pick is going to be fourth rounder Spencer Bullford from UTSA. He's an offensive lineman um, currently now playing for the 49ers. Now, he's currently slated at guard, and he can also play the tackle position, but I think he's better off at guard. It's kind of huge for the 49ers because you look at their tackles. you got Trent Williams. you got Mike McGlinkey. So they have good tackles. The one area of concern is their um, guards positions, and honestly, Aaron Banks is a good guard too. So Spencer Bullford is thrown in the mix early on. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in the 49ers offense. Really, really good run blocker, especially up the middle, which is huge if they want to run some dives or quick runs up the middle. But he's also got a capability to be a good pass blocking tight end too. The only thing I think that um, was a little bit concerning for some, I guess, scouts and agents, you guess, or scouts, I should say, was his athleticism. He's not as athletic as a typical guard now in today's day and age in the NFL should be considered, but he's still very mobile. Um, you don't need too much from the guard position. He's able to steal the uh, inside edge and, and really be a good guard. So it was good for the 49ers to go out and get a good run blocking uh, offensive guard. 
but also at the same time, I think his pass blocking can be a little bit improved. Uh, he struggled with that at UTSA. But that, I feel like, is way more easier to uh, work on compared to run blocking. So uh, Spencer Burford is going to be a good fit for the 49ers. And then my free agent signing is going to be Ray Ray McLeod from the Steelers. Now, honestly, the Steelers' wide receiver core is a little bit iffy. you got Debo, obviously good. Brandon Ayuk is okay. And then Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, and Danny Gray. So you got your one and two established, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Jawan Jennings probably going to be the number three wide receiver on that 49ers team. But Ray Ray McLeod could get thrown into the mix, um, you know, from there too. Ray Ray McLeod is a very good, I guess you could say, budget wide receiver uh, for Pittsburgh. You know, he's entering now his fourth season in the M- uh, the NFL, not the MLB. Had 39 receptions for 277 yards. Now, that was just a role-playing wide receiver. I think his role should be switched a little bit in San Francisco just because I feel like overall he's a good wide receiver. He's just kind of been thrown in the mix at Pittsburgh where there was good, better better receivers ahead of him, and that's why he wasn't able to get um, that playing time. But in San Francisco, I think he's got definitely a capability of being a, at least wide receiver three and maybe wide receiver two, depending on how well Trey Lance and uh, Ray Ray McLeod get that connection going. But still, nonetheless, <laughs> he's a good player, and I'm excited to see that the 49ers went out and got some weapons for Trey Lance because wide receiver is the one spot they're lacking. My bust is going to be Trey Lance. Now, I don't know how I feel about Trey Lance. I really don't. I mean, this is one of those guys that's so hit or miss, in my opinion. He showed some potential uh, last year, 603 yards, um, five touchdowns, two interceptions, a QBR of 33.4. Obviously, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was the main quarterback. The biggest thing with Trey Lance is his ability to run the football and you know, move his legs. Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a pocket passer. Um, Trey Lance does need to work on his you know, pocket passing and passing in general, but... The number three overall pick in 2021, obviously, they was kind of condescending to say that, you know, Trey Lance was going to be the starting quarterback sometime soon. The Niners, I believe, made it to the divisional at least, or maybe made it to the NFC, the NFC. Did they make it to the NFC Championship? I'm tripping right now. But still, um, I would have preferred to see the Niners roll with Jimmy G just because I don't think Trey Lance is necessarily ready. The biggest thing with uh, rookie QBs, unless, you know, there's always a one or two in the bunch that are instantly thrown in the league and have success from the get-go. But you see a lot of these quarterbacks, especially early on in their career, struggle from the get-go just because it's hard to switch from college to the NFL game. Um, and maybe that's going to be the case for Trey Lance. I think the biggest concern as far as his ability is definitely his passing. That's the one thing that scares me and puts him out of the bus just because passing is so valuable, obviously, at the quarterback position. And... You can run the ball as much as you want, but if you're not able to throw it to then anybody, then you're going to be screwed. It is good, though, that they're starting to get some weapons for him because I didn't really like the wide receiver core that Trey Lance had. But still, overall, um, there's just a lot of room for him to grow. I just don't think this is the year where he's going to really step out into the scene and be a marquee quarterback. My sleeper is going to be Elijah Mitchell. Now, typically, I don't like going with 49ers running backs because 49ers running backs do scare me. I mean... Raheem Mostert, I feel like never played it down because he was always injured. But Elijah Mitchell was a consistent running back that, although isn't too bad, I think he gets a little bit underrated. He had 207 carries for 963 yards, which is eighth in the league in five touchdowns. The one thing, obviously, the touchdowns he would like to improve is 24 as far as running backs are concerned. But this year, more than ever, um, Elijah Mitchell, I think, is going to be a little more comfortable. When he was in Louisiana, um, you know, in college, he ran basically a read option system with the quarterback. And I feel like that's going to be a little bit similar with Trey Lance. Um, Obviously, they're not going to run read option every play. But he's more comfortable, in my opinion, running out of the, the gun formation compared to under center. And Trey Lance and Elijah Mitchell will probably have that good, you know, running connection as far as, um, 
you know, read option, needed speed option, whatever. Basically, being in the gun or shotgun formation is going to be huge for Elijah Mitchell to open up his door for success. I wish that he would get a little more receptions. I love when running backs do get that, but maybe that comes with a new play style and Trey Lance, you know, likes throwing to his running backs. So we'll see what happens there. But overall, I think it's going to be a good year for Elijah Mitchell, and I think a lot of people are kind of underestimating that. And uh, we'll be curious to see how well Elijah Mitchell is able to do this year, but I think he's going to do very well for the 49ers. My team MVP has got to be Debo. I mean, Debo is just an all-around great player. He does everything that you need to do on the offensive side in order to have success. And in all honesty, Debo is a guy that I, I would say can run for MVP, but it's usually a quarterback. It's almost always a quarterback that wins it. But as far as team MVP is concerned, he does everything that the 49ers ask of them. And honestly, I think he's going to have a really, really good year. And honestly, maybe better than last year. But he's going to be the team MVP, and uh, he'll help that 49ers offense move in the right step direction. Three keys to success. My first is the defense. The defense is the pride and soul of the 49ers, in my opinion. There are some bright spots on the offensive side, but you can't look away from the defense that the 49ers do possess, especially in the linebacker D-head. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, a filthy combination. Don't forget, you know, Jimmy Ward at the safety position. who's currently on IR, but he should be back. Dre Greenlaw um, and uh, Traverius Ward, too. So a really good defense, a stout defense. They hold up well against the NFC West. and I think they're going to do a little bit... <coughs> more of the same thing um, this upcoming year. So be on the lookout for that. I put run the ball. Um, that's a big thing in San Francisco, especially with Trey Lance, you know, trying to establish him in the league. Run the football, help set up the passing game, which kind of leads me into my next thing, and that is Trey Lance. If you're ready, step up to the plate. A lot of people want to see Trey Lance uh, get thrown into the game, and, you know, if they're going to throw him in, he's got to be ready to go. He can't, he can't sit back and and uh, play back a quarterback anymore. It's his team, and uh, maybe if he sucks, they'll go back to Jimmy because technically they still have him on a restructured contract. I do have the 49ers finishing 7-10 and 10 in the division this year and 3rd in the division. I just think they're not ready um, yet. I think two, three years down the line, the 49ers can be a team that contends with the uh, NFC West crown. But the Rams, Cardinals, um, you know, right now I think atop the NFC West, it's kind of hard for the 49ers to sneak in. Then again, if Trevor French is listening to this podcast, he knows that I'm a very big 49ers hater. I don't buy the hype, and they usually end up making it to the uh, conference championship game. So wouldn't be surprised either way. I just think the skill set um, is good, but I think it's a lot of room to grow. And I wish it would get a little more weapons for uh, Trey Lance to throw to, and I think Trey Lance just needs a year to settle in. But the 49ers are going to be an interesting team down the line. I just don't think this is going to be their year this year. The next team I'm going to talk about in the NFC West is the world champions, the defending world champions, Los Angeles Rams. The first key player is obvious. It's Cooper Cup. This guy is insane. Cooper Cup, obviously one of the best um, players in all of football, the best receiver in my opinion. And he's just got so much potential to be like even better. Honestly, he should have been in the conversation more for MVP just of how good of a player he is. I mean, his stat line's actually ridiculous, and I can't wait to go over that. So let's go over and take a look at his stat line. Obviously led uh, the NFL and <laughs> I mean, everything imaginable, it seemed like, with, uh, with uh, football stats as far as wide receivers are concerned. 145 receptions first, 1,947 yards first, and 16 touchdowns first. His average, though, was 13.4, so 33rd in the league. So I guess he does suck. But no, in all honesty, Cooper Cup's insane. There was a little bit of uh, skepticism with Cooper Cup going into this year just because um, of the new quarterback in Matthew Stafford, but those uh, those rumors were put to rest very quickly. His previous reception career high was 94, so he had 104 there. 
In that 94 season, he also had 800 less yards and six less touchdowns. So his season last year was absolutely unbelievable. From Eastern Washington, one of the – I don't know why I say one of the best. He is the best receiver in all football. I'm really excited to see how Cooper Cup's going to be uh, be playing this year. I think his production will go down just a little bit. Um, I feel like Stephon Diggs kind of had a similar season, not last year, but the year before, and his production did go down a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's Cooper Cup. I mean, he's the best receiver in football. So he's going to get the receptions. He's going to get the touchdowns, the yards. And everything of that matter seems to be looking in the right direction for him. But it's just interesting to see um, kind of how he's developed and how he's, you know, transformed into this really good wide receiver. And you look at him, too. Um, you look at his measurables for the most part, 6'2", 208 pounds, pretty much literally like me. Um, obviously, he's way more jacked than me. That's not a well, is it? I don't know. I'm kind of jacked too. But he's not a guy that's super tall and super big as far as length is concerned. He's not tall like DeAndre Hopkins. He's not huge like DK Metcalf. He just is like slimy. He slides through. Great round runner. Probably the best round runner in football. And makes it work. And he's really good at it. It's so fun to watch him play. Really good hands too. And you think defenses are going to be able to stop him. But I genuinely don't think so. He's just that good of a player. He's a difference maker. He's a franchise player. And uh, he's still relatively young. So he's got lots of years ahead of him. Aaron Donald's my second key player. Man, you got the best, one of the best offensive players in football, and you have the best defensive player in football. There's a reason why you just won a world championship. But Aaron Donald, man, this guy's had a tremendous career from Pitt. First round choice. Um, he's been with the Rams, I believe, his entire career. He uh, He's 31 years old at the defensive tackle position, and it looks like he's 25. The way he plays consistently, he's one of the best um, in football. He had 12 and a half sacks last year, four first, four forced fumbles. There we go. But take a look at some of his years previously. Um, in 2018, he had 20 and a half sacks, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, and 12 and a half. So he did kind of drop a little bit from 2018, but it's really hard to repeat a 20 and a half sack uh, year. He also is very good at basically taking one or two offensive linemen to block him, which is good because that frees up other edge rushers and linebackers to blitz into the backfield and, and get stopped, and that's what they were able to do. And so. His presence alone is just is just huge. And there's a lot of kind of questions if he was going to retire after last season, if they won the Super Bowl. He ended up not retiring. He's back for another year. So it's good to see. But, man, this guy is a beast, and I'm really excited to see how well he's going to be this year on the defensive side. And then finally, Jalen Ramsey. I got to go with Jalen Ramsey here. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best players in all football. I mean, this team from top to bottom is just phenomenal. Jalen Ramsey's bounced around um, the league, it feels like, as the years have kind of progressed. Last year, he kind of cooled down as far as stats are concerned, um, in my opinion, at least. Now, he did tie his career high in interceptions, but maybe what I'm trying to go with this, I think he was just really underrated. When he burst out of the league in Jacksonville, he was super you know, high as far as cornerbacks uh, in the NFL, arguably the best cornerback in the NFL still to this day. He's 27 years old, so he's got a lot of years left in him. And in all honesty, he looks like he doesn't slow down at all. And I really do believe that with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, that combination alone, they have potential to uh, to be a force in the league and and just see how well they're going to be playing this year. It's really nice to see um, how good their defense is. And then you look at their offense, they got the best receiver in all football. It's ridiculous from top to bottom. But Jalen Ramsey <coughs> makes him great and um, different than some of the elite cornerbacks in the league is his ability to play man and zone coverage effectively. And on the flip side of that, he's also a very good run and pass defender too. So a double whammy there, which is why he's just really good and has had tons of success 
not only in uh, LA, but in Jacksonville too, and he was able to win a world championship. My key draft pick is going to be Logan Bruss, offensive guard from Wisconsin in the third round. I really, really like this uh, move by uh, by the Rams to go out and get him. He is on injured reserve, so he's not going to be playing at the moment. But for longevity, this is a guy that's tremendous. I mean, he comes from Wisconsin. And as much as I'm an Iowa fan, you got to give it up for the Wisconsin Badgers as far as producing kind of similar um, linemen like us um, that we do. But this is a guy, four or five from years from now, he can be one of the best offensive linemen in all of uh, the NFL. Obviously, Andrew Whitworth, um, he retired, so he's a, he's a tackle too. But this guy has potent, uh, potential and capabilities to be a really good right guard in this league, or even left guard because he can play both too. Um, really good skill set, 6'5", 309-pound, absolute beast, athletic first size, good run blocker, good pass blocker, primarily run blocker, which is going to be good for Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson moving the football. Uh, but really good guy and just a really good player. And it was a really good decision to go out and get a lineman. I believe that was their first pick, too. When the Rams were trading for other players to help build their dynasty, they lost first and second rounders in this year's draft. I'm pretty sure. I believe that was their first pick. They did the right decision, though, by going out and getting an offensive lineman. Honestly, I had Logan Buss, Bruss, whatever you say his last name, um, as a second-round choice. So getting him in the third round is definitely huge. And then Bobby Wagner. He stays in the division and comes over from Seattle. He's had a really long career. Um, I believe it's all been with Seattle. He's like, you know what? They won a world championship. I guess I'll come over to the Rams. No, but Bobby Wagner is a really good player, um, very good linebacker, 32 years of age. He's from Utah State, second-round draft choice. Honestly, last year, a little disappointing as far as uh, sacks and forced fumbles and turnovers, for that matter, but really good at tackles. I think that's primarily what he's been known for throughout his year um, with the or career, I should say, with the Seahawks. He is one of those guys, too, that's going to be a force not only on the offenses or outside uh, linebacker position, but also on the inside. He'll be able to stop the run um, on both sides of the football and then also can help play a pass coverage, too. So really good player, really good decision, I guess, from him to go over to L.A. Um, a little interesting to see if he's trying to hop on the bandwagon train, but nonetheless, six foot, 241, absolute beast. Really good decision by him to uh, come over to uh, Los Angeles and contend for another uh, world championship. Tyler Higby is going to be my bus. And you guys know on the truth, Tyler Higby is my kryptonite. Every year I said Tyler Higby is going to be good. Besides last year, that was partially right. He had 61 receptions, 560, and five touchdowns. This year, though, I really do think um, there's potential for him to be great with Gerald Everett gone and just having him and then Bryson Hopkins. But Tyler Higby does scare me a lot um, this season. I think that Matthew Stafford's really going to try to throw more to his wide receivers and even running backs out of the backfield. Now, Tyler Higby's also one of those guys that's really high risk, high reward. So you can take the gamble on Higby and see if he's going to do anything successfully. But I just don't see it happening this year. I think his production is going to be down a little bit. Overall, it's not going to be worth drafting in fantasy and really not going to be worth having on the Los Angeles Rams for the moment until they're able to uh, either get a new tight end or move forward with that. But Tyler Higby. I'm not thinking he's poised to have a good season. Cam Akers, though, is going to be my sleeper. Cam Akers missed pretty much the entire year last year until the postseason um, after he came back from, I believe it was a torn ACL. He uh, honestly is a really good running back. He really is. And he's entering his second season now in the league, or third season, I should say. Really, really good player his first year. Obviously, last year, torn ACL. And I'm really expecting him to have a great year this year. I think the Rams, the Rams have said they want to really utilize Cam Akers. Um, Sean McVay did say that and also pointed out, too, that sure, Daryl Henderson's going to get his carries and his touches, but 
the end of the day, the offense runs around Cam Akers and his ability to have success on the offensive side. I do think, too, that uh, one thing that I wish that the Rams and Cam Akers would do more is maybe throw him the ball a little bit, especially with a really high-powered passing offense. Having a good outlet at the running back position is huge, and Cam Akers is definitely the better pass-catching running back than is Daryl Henderson. So I think Cam Akers is poised to have a really big year. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to be my MVP. This one's obvious. Cooper Cup is arguably the best top three player in the NFL. Fantasy purposes, he's going top three. You know, everything around Cooper Cup is is surrounding. And uh, you got to give credit to Matt Stafford. I didn't talk about him just because their team's so loaded. But Matt Stafford being able to come over in his first season with the Rams coming from the Detroit Lions, you got to give him credit for being able to establish the connection with not only Cooper Cup, but um, the other players as well. Former number one overall pick. Really good year last year, 4,800 yards, 41 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. This, uh, this duo that they got going here is, is really good. And then, obviously, you lose Robert Woods. We have Van Jefferson. You gain Allen Robinson. The weapons on the offensive side are, again, huge. And it's like they almost picked off where they left off. And we'll see uh, how well they can transpire and end up being um, in the NFL moving forward. But I do like Matthew Stafford, but I do like Cooper Cup more as the team MVP. And then keys to success, I said repeat as world champions. You know, Typically, um, you'll see world champions have a really good uh, bounce-back season or a really crappy bounce-back season, depending on if they're rebuilding or if they're continuing to push. I honestly think the Rams can push again and potentially win back-to-back just on their roster and their depth. I mean, they got best wide receiver, best defensive tackle, arguably best defensive player in the defensive tackle, and then the best, one of the best, if not the best, cornerbacks, too. And then you got a good quarterback, good running game, good coach. They all have the recipes for success. The question is, are they going to be able to be successful? I do believe so. I think their defense is going to be special, which is my second key to success. The defense just continue to get takeaways and provide your offense opportunity to score, or defense get takeaways and score at the same time. That usually works in the right direction too, but, I mean, that defense, I would not want to go against that defense. Vikings played the Rams, and, yeah, I would just – I would probably rather just watch uh, – Iowa beat South Dakota State 7-3 just because their defense is so good. They got good guys screaming off the edge. and It's just a really good defense and hard to play against. And then finally, Cooper Cup continued to be a difference maker. He separates himself every year from you know his cornerback or his competition alone. Just literally, quite literally separates himself. But also the flip side of that too is he's a very good player, very high motor, very high IQ player, and he's really going to be another difference maker, and the Rams are very thankful to have him. As far as uh, predictions go, I have them finishing 13-4 and four and first in the division again. I just don't see the Cardinals, who I believe, spoiler, is going to be the second team in this division, that's going to, or even the 49ers, that matter, are really going to contend with the Rams just because of how good the Rams are and how well they're coached and all those factors and going into that. So I do believe the Rams are in the right direction forward, and I do believe they have a chance to repeat as world champions once again. This is a sad, sad tale. Even looking at the three key players I put in here, I guarantee you these three players are like, what the hell are we getting ourselves into? How did we go from a prominent, potential Super Bowl caliber team to jack shit? It's Tyler Lockett is my first key player. I feel like Tyler Lockett's been in the league forever. I mean, it feels like since like 2013 when I first started like fantasy football, Tyler Lockett has always been on my team. I've always liked Tyler Lockett. And as a play, uh Skill set and play set, I really like Tyler Lockett, but it just feels like he's been in the league forever. He's been in the league since 2015 from Kansas State. Last year, honestly, pretty had a quiet, had a pretty quiet year. 73 receptions, 1,175 yards, and eight touchdowns on the year. 
he comes into this year without his uh, quarterback of all time that he's been playing um, in, in Russell Wilson. Gets shifted to uh, Geno Smith, who is taking the helmet. Potentially Drew Locke um, down the line. But Tyler Lockett right now still going to be a key player for the Seahawks' success. Obviously, um, the running game, I think, is going to struggle a bit. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But more importantly, Seattle really looking to kind of uh, jump back into playing good football. And at this rate, it's like, what do you what, – like, what's the purpose here? You're trying to, Obviously, you're trying to rebuild, but you still got players like Tyler Lockett, Jamal Adams, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf I get, but Tyler Lockett's kind of getting older there. So I think Tyler Lockett's just kind of, you know, playing and playing for fun at this point. And they're just going to try to rebuild around him and maybe they use him as a veteran leadership piece and, and whatnot. But right now he's in a shitty situation, but I still expect him to have a good year um, this upcoming year. Staying with the wide receiver side of things, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf as my second key player. Now DK Metcalf gets a lot of shit overall, um, kind of like lackluster as far as, how good he's played. He had 75 receptions, 967 yards. Those stats alone, typically you won't see this stat for touchdowns, but he had 12 touchdowns. He was fourth in the league, which is kind of crazy to think. 6'4", 235 pounds. I think he has like 1.4% body fat. He's a beast. I will never, ever, ever get over the fact that I watched him chase down a Cardinals player on a pick pretty much 80 yards. And honestly, people are really expecting him to be a busted wide receiver, and I just don't really see that happening. I'm be honest. I think he's going to be good. I mean, people want to argue that, sure, he doesn't have a quarterback to throw to, but at the end of the day, Geno Smith's not terrible. He's still an NFL quarterback. He's good enough to start for an NFL team. Who's he going to throw the ball to? He's not going to be like a Mike Lennon who has 30 passing yards. I mean, he'll be at 100, 200 yards. Those yards got to go somewhere, and it's either going to go to Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. So who knows, but DK Metcalf is definitely going to be a streaky player if I had to pick one of the two. To have more success, it'd be Tyler Lockett, but let's not discredit DK Metcalf. At the same time, if DK Metcalf's able to stay healthy enough or healthy enough and happy enough to go over and stay in Seattle for a longer period of time, then you're looking at a positive direction when you're in the rebuilding phase. And reality is just a lot of good things moving forward with DK and potentially Tyler Lockett too. But this year, it's going to suck if you're a Seahawks fan. It's going to suck if you're Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf fan because you're probably going to go through some rough patches. But don't discredit DK just because he doesn't have a good quarterback. I mean, Geno Smith's a veteran quarterback enough to get him receptions and targets. So we'll see how they uh, how he's utilized this year, but I really don't see him being that bad. And then Jamal Adams is going to be my final key player. Jamal Adams, he came over from the Jets um, in a trade, I believe, a year or two ago maybe. Um, in 2020, I think it was. But honestly, he's had a little bit of a disappointing year, in my opinion, as far as um, overall success. Now, Here's an interesting stat that it's not really important, in my opinion, at the safety position, but it's just curious to see a comparison from 2020 to 2021. In 2020, he had nine and a half sacks. The previous year, six and a half, three and a half, and two. So he had nine and a half in 2020, and then 2021 had zero sacks. On the flip side, he had zero interceptions the year he had nine and a half sacks and had two interceptions, which was a career high when he had no sacks. So I don't really know what happened, I'll be honest, because I really didn't watch Seahawks football. I don't know if he just stopped doing safety blitzes or you know he just stayed back in coverage, but it's kind of interesting to see when he has sacks and success with that, he doesn't have turnovers or takeaways. But then when he has takeaways, he doesn't have sacks. It's just a really weird thing to think about. But nonetheless, he's still a really good player for the Seahawks and kind of in that stage where he's going to be entering his prime if he hasn't technically been in his prime already. 
he's got three or four really good years ahead of him. The question is, are the Seahawks going to be able to rebuild fast enough to contend for a Super Bowl with Jamal Adams, or in a year or two they go send him away and then get a haul back for him, whether that's through picks or younger players too. So if you're a Seahawks fan, it's one of those things that you're in a really shitty situation now, but as far as future is concerned, it's really up in the air as far as if you're going to rebuild right now or you're going to maybe three, four years from now um, be in a, a trade conversation or even rebuilding and going for a Super Bowl in the years to come. But with Jamal Adams playing on the Seahawks defense, he's really the only bright spot, in my opinion, on the Seahawks defense. I mean, the Seahawks defense is obviously very stout. Overall, Quandre Diggs is a good safety. Jordan Brooks, uh, Puna Ford, Al Woods, Shelby Harris. But no guys that are eye-popping and no guys that are going to jump off the page is anything too intense. My key draft pick is going to be Charles Cross, offensive tackle Mississippi State. I believe I had him as my number two tackle in this year's draft class. Charles Cross is a really good player, and he really is going to make an impact, in my opinion, from week one. He's sitting at the left tackle position from Mississippi State, 6'5", 311 pounds. Similarly to other draft picks, usually these first-round draft picks are more athletic um, compared to a sixth-round uh, offensive lineman. But the thing I like about Charles Cross is, you know, knock on wood, he's stayed relatively healthy. And I feel like at the tackle position, especially if you're trying to build young talent, you need guys that are going to have success and, and build up with that. And Charles Cross is a guy that definitely has got the capabilities to do so. A really good run uh, blocking tackle as well as pass blocking. So a lot of positive things. It's a really good um, class as far as offensive tackles are concerned. And I could see this guy being a Seahawk for life in a way and just really having a good career in Seattle, overall a good career in the NFL. But it starts in the offensive line. It starts at the tackle position if the Seahawks are going to want any type of success. And Charles Cross is definitely a good guy to go out and get in there. Good utilized pick there at number nine. And then Austin Blythe. I'm going to go with him, uh, center from the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, similar situation. Um, he's coming from the Chiefs. He's not too old. He's uh, technically, I think, was a guard when he got drafted. Honestly, it was one of the last drafted picks in 2016. Round 7, pick 248 by Indianapolis, but has transitioned over to the center. Comes from Iowa, and there's been some really good offensive alignment as well as centers, including Tyler Lindenbaum, who just got drafted last year. So Austin Blythe brings in that kind of young leadership as far as the um, offensive line is concerned. He's entering his sixth season, though, in the NFL, um, or seventh for that matter, so he's getting a little bit older in age, but... Still a very good, uh, useful center. He's going to fill the holes well up the middle. He's going to be able to block well. And overall, it was good by the Seahawks. They didn't do too much acquisitions because, again, they're rebuilding, so they don't need to sign too many players. But getting uh, Austin Blythe and then also um, getting Charles Cross to help that offensive line at least be manageable. And then you can use that as pieces moving forward. My bust is going to be Rashad Penny, and I just don't like Rashad Penny. I really think as time goes on this year, Kenneth Walker is going to get thrown in that mix more and be more of that number one running back. Last year had 119 carries for 749 yards and six touchdowns, which is actually pretty good. This year, though, it scares me a lot. I think they're going to go more to a two running back system. And the Seattle Seahawks have struggled a lot with running backs. Chris Carson has dealt with neck injury. He has officially retired, he said, from the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see how the running backs are utilized in Seattle's offense because at the end of the day, Seattle Seahawks – are not a good team, but they pride themselves in two things, playing defense and running the football. And you're going to see both of that happen with the Seahawks moving forward this year. So it's one of those situations where you don't know what's going to necessarily happen as far as the running back position is concerned. 
but you're going to know that somebody's got to step up to the plate. And in my opinion, I just don't see it being Rashad Penny this year. I think Kenneth Walker does get that mix um, and, and eventually does become that lead back there. Geno Smith's going to be my sleeper. This is going to be an interesting one because Geno Smith, I don't think it's a lot of people's um, sleeper. He's one of mine. He's been in the league now, it feels like, forever uh, since 2013. He's been one of those quarterbacks that's just like a long-tenured backup quarterback, really has kind of waited for his break and his opportunity to be um, an NFL starting quarterback, and now he's gotten thrown into that mix and will be the starting quarterback for the Seahawks here in Week 1. When the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson, I think they were expecting um, – Drew Locke to potentially be their quarterback, but obviously uh, they decided to go with the 31-year-old Geno Smith um, from the get-go, and although that's something that you know you take into consideration, it's not necessarily a bad decision because, honestly, I'm not in charge of Seahawks camp or as far as the operations are concerned, but Geno Smith obviously has won the job, and really he can do enough because you're not going to win a Super Bowl with the team that you have now, but he's going to be able to do enough, and more than anything, if Drew Locke's going to be the veteran quarterback for the Seahawks moving forward, um, or the franchise quarterback, I should say, Geno Smith's leadership and, and veteran leadership is going to be huge and vital for his young growth and development. And that's something that Seahawks fans can take away. Although the success might not be there this year, it's going to be a very instrumental step for Drew Locke as a quarterback in the NFL this upcoming season. And then my team MVP is going to be Jamal Adams. I want to go with the wide receiver here, but I decided to go with the defensive side of things because Jamal Adams is just a really good player. I talked about he's got the capabilities of the strong safety position to not only get sacks, but also get turnovers and takeaways. I keep saying turnovers. I mean to say takeaways. He's got the ability to get those takeaways and basically get the offense an opportunity to be successful. And I think this year, more than ever, the Seahawks are going to need that. So having Jamal Adams be on the defensive side is going to be huge for them. My first key to success is handle the new era in quotation marks for the Seahawks. This is a new era for the Seahawks, whether they like it or not. You know, remember them time them playing the Super Bowl and whatnot. And now they're back um, and now they're playing for kind of a rebuilding phase to rebuild and potentially go to the Super Bowl in the years to come. So it's a new era. Seahawks fans are probably not too used to it. They are used to their team struggling as of late, but it's going to be interesting to see how the new look Seahawks look. It's not going to be as fun, but, you know, it's got to get the job done. And it, it all starts this year with their first, I guess you could say, or maybe second rebuilding year. If they're going to contend, though, this year, the wide receivers do need to step up because that's really the only focal point on the offensive side. Honestly, um, the wide receiver duo is pretty good. They got a good tight end and Noah Fan, who, again, fits their system, kind of like Russell Wilson fits the Broncos system. So the options to throw the ball to are definitely there. The question is, are they going to be able to step up, come to the plate, and, you know, be a successful wide receiver duo, or even trio if you mix in the tight end position. And then finally, the running game needs to come up because the Seahawks like running the football, and it's going to have to have success. Otherwise, the Seahawks are going to be screwed. Whether that's with Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker, it doesn't really matter. They just need to get the job done. Unfortunately for Seahawks fans, I don't believe they're going to get the job done this year. I have them finishing 5-12 and 12 and 4th in the division. Obviously, it's a rebuilding phase for Seattle. It's probably some unfamiliar territory. Seattle's fans are going to stay loyal and you know be in there and be in the fight. But this year, I just don't see it being a good year for a Seahawks fan, and it's going to be one of those uh, years where it just sucks to watch the football games, but you know it's going to be a greater good for four or five years from now down the line. So a lot of positive steps for the Seahawks as far as rebuilding and reshaping their franchise, but this year it's going to hopefully or unfortunately be another disappointing year for the Seattle Seahawks.
We have officially gone through 31 teams in the NFL. I didn't think I was going to do it, and we have one more team remaining. So I'm just going to end the podcast here so I can show that I didn't finish it. I'm just kidding. The Arizona Cardinals are going to round out our list as far as teams are concerned here in this uh, divisional breakdown series that I did create. The first key player is Kyler Murray, or as Aqib Talib always says, Calamari, like the food. Kyler Murray, um, an interesting player to say the least. You know, the the Cardinals went with a different route at first um, with having uh, Josh Rosen be their quarterback for a year, and then after that they got rid of him pretty quickly and picked up Kyler Murray with the first overall pick in 2019. Last year, Calamari had 3,787 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. We obviously know his running capabilities and his running stats. The biggest concern with Kyler Murray – And this was his concern going into the draft process was his height. I mean, he's 5'10", 207 pounds, which he's built. But being 5'10", it's kind of hard to see over defenses and make reads and and have situations like that. So that was the biggest concern as far as Cardinals fans really were concerned about Kyler Murray. But he's honestly been able to bounce over that and has been relatively successful. Well, my honest opinion, as much as it sounds bad, I feel like the three years he's been in the league, every year he's gotten progressively worse. Now, maybe 2020 was his best year, but definitely last year was not a good year for him. Um, And overall, it's just very concerning to see. The lowest rushing yards and touchdowns, but that has a lot to do with kind of trying to conserve Kyler Murray and see how well he can play. In my opinion, I understand the philosophy of trying to, you know, conserve whether it's a quarterback, running back, whatever, at the end of the day, like you can always find a different running back and quarterback. If you want longevity for that extra year or two, fine. But if you want a solid player that's going to play year in and year out and risk that year or two, I definitely think it's a better risk than to sit there and just let him um, not do anything. But Kyler Murray does have success when he runs the football effectively and has better rushing stats because, um, honestly, he's a, he's a good passer too, which makes him kind of good. Completion percentage is always there. It's just the biggest concern now is being able to stay healthy. And honestly, too, with Kyler Murray, is it's kind of the point now where last year especially, you have to make the postseason with the team that you got. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But having the good players that they have in the offense that they run with Cliff Kingsbury, you just got to make the postseason. Then you look at the defensive side, who are going to be my next two key players in J.J. Watt and Isaiah Simmons. J.J. Watt, it feels like he's been in the league forever. Um, he's one of the best players of all time, in my opinion, as far as defensive ends are concerned. He's 6'5", 288 pounds. Last year, obviously, was injured, so he didn't really play much. But look at some of these years he had. He had two years in 2012 and 14 where he had 20 and a half sacks. That's just ridiculous. 17 and a half the year before or year after that, and then pretty much up until 2018. And then after that, he had 16 sacks and then really has not played that good. Um, and no, granted, he's getting older. I mean, he's entering his what 12th season in the NFL, 11th, 12th season in the NFL. Um, but the veteran leadership that he possesses, and still honestly, for his age and his size being 33 years old, he's still very mobile and athletic, and honestly, one of the best players in all of football on the defensive side. The question is, how is he going to be utilized for the Arizona Cardinals this year, and is he going to be able to have success that they're hoping he's going to be having? And I don't know, I really hope he does, but. It's one of those things, too, where um, he's, he's got to step up to the plate now. It's about time that he steps up to the plate. and Will he be able to do so? I don't know. And then Isaiah Simmons, who on the flip side of J.J. Watt, is really young and has just really entered the league. Isaiah Simmons entered his third season in the NFL. Honestly, last year, um, all right. I think maybe you're expecting a little bit better year for him. He definitely was there as far as uh, takeaways were concerned. 
He had four forced fumbles, but relatively good as far as tackles um, are concerned. Played in one more game. Um, it helps that, um, you know, he, or now I should say, it's a 17-game season compared to a 16-game. So I don't believe he's missed a game. The question is, how good is he going to be here in his third season? I really feel like the third season of young rookies in the NFL really dictates how their career is going to go because the first season is particular. Really, the second season, I feel like people do worse. Um, but the first two seasons are getting used to the NFL, the different game, how are you going to play? And then the third season is like you have two years under your belt. You know what you need to do, and you know how to play moving forward. Can you be able to do it at a successful rate? That's the biggest question mark surrounding Isaiah Simmons and the Cardinals offense, or defense, I should say, this season. Can they be successful? I don't know. There's basically time will tell how, uh, how good they're going to be. But in reality, I don't think they're going to be too bad. The question is, how good are they going to be? And I think Isaiah Simmons on the defensive side is that leader, and he's going to be there for a while to help that Cardinals defense move in the right direction. I really like their key draft pick in the second round, Trey McBride, tight end from Colorado State. I had Trey McBride as a second rounder as well. He's a very good tight end, obviously with Zach Ertz, um, you know, the, the main tight end. This is more of a longevity move for the Cardinals. Zach Ertz is getting up there a little bit in age. He's um, now entering, I think, his 10th season in the NFL. He's 31 years old. So he doesn't have too many years left, I believe, in the NFL. So Trey McBride can follow in his footsteps and uh, be a successful tight end for the Cardinals. The only downside with Trey McBride is I'm not a big fan of his run blocking. So if the Cardinals are going to shift to that Kyler Murray offense where they basically run around and just run routes and have fun with it, then Trey McBride's your guy. But if you're trying to go under center and run the football, He's not going to be horrible, but I don't think he's going to be great as well, too. He's 6'3", 249 pounds, so he's got some size on him um, to be a good uh, tight end. He kind of reminds me of a mini Zach Ertz, if I'm going to be honest, as far as archetypes and prototypes are concerned. But overall, it was a really good tight end choice. If they run some two tight end systems, which they do run, um, then I'd be curious to see how well he's going to be this year um, by getting that PT. But obviously, Zach Ertz is the main man there, so... I don't expect Trey McBride to uh, to be that lead tight end, but I do expect him to maybe play a role this year and, and have some success down the line. And then Hollywood Brown is going to be my second key player. Now, Hollywood Brown coming over from the Ravens, 91 receptions, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. I really like Hollywood Brown this year, especially when DeAndre Hopkins is out because that slides DeAndre Hopkins or Marquise Brown into the number one wide receiver position, in my opinion. They lost Christian Kirk, too. Um, they still have A.J. Green in that mix, so... The wide receivers, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, are a little bit bleak, but Hollywood Brown, um, I believe, was probably the number one receiver there in Baltimore, so he's going to be kind of shifted over there until DeAndre Hopkins gets back. But that does provide time for him and Kyler Murray to establish a connection quarterback to wide receiver, which is really you know important for um, you know first-year kind of connection going on there. But, I mean, this guy is extremely fast. He's 5'9", 170. He reminds me a lot of Tyree Kill, and just the way he plays and plays the position is going to be huge. And I'm really excited to see how Marquise Brown's going to be uh, be playing for the Cardinals this year, especially, like I said, when DeAndre Hopkins is out. Unfortunately, though, as far as wide receivers are concerned, when uh, DeAndre Hopkins gets back, I think A.J. Green's going to move into the bus category. A.J. Green's had an up-and-down year, if we're going to be honest. He's been in the league now forever, too. He played for the Bengals all the way up until 2021, where he came over to Arizona. He had first five years in the NFL. He had 1,000 yards including his career high in 2013 where he had 1,426 yards and then had a quick 964 back to 1,000. And really the last couple of years was 2019 with an injury has really kind of struggled. He kind of burst back into the scene last year for the Cardinals, um, one of the lowest reception totals, but yards were definitely there. And he was able to get some touchdowns too. 
this year, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I think he's getting a little bit older and not as mobile or athletic, but he's still going to get some catches. That's not what I'm saying. I just think especially when DeAndre Hopkins gets back, it's going to be one of those things where the Cardinals go to mainly a two wide receiver look, um, especially with tight end Zach Ertz they have. And so that might maybe put A.J. Green down in the wrong direction and ultimately not lead him to have much success. Which kind of leads me into my next player as far as sleeper is concerned. And I'm going to go with Zach Ertz. Um, Zach Ertz, obviously a great career in Philadelphia. Pretty good year, I would say, last year as far as stats are concerned um, for Zach Ertz. You know, his first year with Arizona, 74 receptions, 763 and five touchdowns. Again, he's getting older too, so he's not going to be as mobile or athletic. But Kyler Murray knows um, that he needs to throw to the ball to the tight ends, and Zach Ertz is the perfect guy to throw to. He's got everything you ask for in a tight end. He's got the size, the strength, and... Really, when the red zone comes into effect, and even third and shorts, um, either Kyler Murray's going to try to run the ball fine or run it or hand it off. But Zach Ertz is a very tall target to throw to, and especially if fantasy purposes are concerned, he's going to get a lot more touchdowns and receptions and, and big-time plays, which is the stuff that you need to see um, for your fantasy teams. And then my team MVP is obviously Kyler Murray. I mean, there's some players you could throw in there. You could throw DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, or even Isaiah Simmons, but... Kyler Murray overall is the best player on that team, and even though I don't think Kyler Murray is going to have as great of a year, he's still the best player on that team, and his skill set is basically once-in-a-generational. So be curious to see how well he does this year, and hopefully he's able to lead the Cardinals to a postseason because it's kind of coming to those points where it's not cut time and you need to lead the Cardinals to a postseason. Otherwise, it's just a tough situation to be in. So we'll see what happens uh, with that moving forward. Keys to success. Uh, Kyler Murray, it's his time to step up. It's time to bring the Cardinals to the postseason and basically lead them to maybe a playoff run or a Super Bowl run because last year was the year to do it. You had all the weapons. This year you still got good weapons. You got James Conner in the backfield and then DeAndre Hopkins when he's done cheating. Um, Hollywood Brown, AJ Green, Zach Ertz. And then the defense, JJ Watt, Isaiah Simmons, Zach Allen. Um, you can throw it in the mix. Um, Brian Murphy, Buda Baker, one of the best safeties in the league, if not the best safety. So you got a really good team. The biggest thing is you just got to make it make it to the playoffs. It's, it's not it's not time to sit around lollygag and do whatever because it's kind of one of those things that if they don't make the playoffs this year or the next year, it's a sad sight to see because Zach Ertz is going to be going away. DeAndre Hopkins is starting to get up there in age. So it's one of those things that Kyler Murray, it's his time to step up and be the leader and lead the Cardinals back to the playoffs. The defense needs to run through the linebackers um, and the defensive ends, uh, which means – you know, Buda Baker um, in the safety positions is good too, but stop the run. Um, that's big, especially in that division. You play teams like the 49ers, the Seahawks, even the Rams for that matter. But also stop the pass too. And if the defense is able to run through the linebackers, which typically defenses should do, then I think they're going to have success. And then obviously make the playoffs. It's time to make the playoffs if you're an Arizona fan and uh, be curious to see if they're finally going to get over the hump. And so all my friends can shut up saying that we're so good, yet they don't make the playoffs. So. We'll see what happens. I think they make the playoffs this year as a wild card. I have them finishing 10-7 and seven and second in the division. They're one of the teams that's like you can't bet against them, in my opinion, and I just think they're good enough to, to do a job and, and maybe make the playoffs and potentially make a run down the line. But in my opinion, they're not good enough to win the division. I think they know that, and, well, I guess the Rams know that too. But it'll be interesting, to say the least, and I'm excited to, uh, to go ahead and see how that one's going to turn out. But... Thank you guys for listening to uh, another episode of The Truth. I really do appreciate it if you guys listen to not only this podcast, but even one more podcast for a little bit of time here in the series. Um, you guys don't know how much work uh, I put into these podcasts trying to get them out to you guys. This is always the busiest time of the year for me, but it's also the most fun. 
um, because we love football, me and Ben do. Um, I love it more because I'm always doing the show where Ben's not. But I put a lot of work in these podcasts, trying to give you guys the best tips and tricks and really for your team to kind of see how your team's going to be looking this year because I always like to see how the Vikings are going to do. I, I end up knowing what they're going to do. They're going to make class and miss a kick. Um, so I, I, I know the moral of the story there. But, no, in reality, I love doing this for you guys. And so even the little su- the support that you guys do show me, whether it's in this series or different series as well, um, I definitely do appreciate it. One thing that I do want you guys to do, and I say this at the end of every show, but make sure you follow the Twitter, Twitter on Truth. The truth up. Make sure you follow the Truth on Twitter at the Truth as One to stay up to date with the latest information regarding the Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. I know you do not want to miss. Also, with that being said, um, with the Truth and the podcast is on Twitter. I'm going to start posting um, basically the schedule for the week and. Honestly, the schedule for the week moving forward is going to be pretty simple as it follows because this is, I believe it's Tuesday when I'm posting this. Um, I made it a couple days before, um, so that's why I'm saying it. I believe it's Tuesday, but um, typically what my plan is going to be for this week is Thursday is going to be posted probably around uh, probably Thursday morning. I think I'll do Thursday morning, maybe mid-afternoon, early afternoon. It's going to be my Thursday night special. Typically, Last year, if you guys were loyal fans of the truth, I did a fantasy football preview that I think I just posted Tuesday or Wednesday. It covered Thursday night, it covered Saturday or Sunday games, and even Monday games for that matter. I'm going to do a Thursday night special, and then um, that's going to be posted on Thursday, and I'll go over the game, I'll go over some fantasy players, and then I believe Saturday is going to be when I post my um, basically NFL preview, so the Sunday games, and then probably the Monday game will be thrown in the mix too. And then Sunday, <coughs> I'll probably start posting my daily or my uh, my pickup. That includes sports bets and, and all that stuff. So you guys can have an update on how I feel about games going into this week. So that's going to be the format: Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So hopefully three podcasts um, in a week, and then I'm going to probably try to do a show at the beginning of the week, maybe some weeks, maybe not. Um, whether that's football, whether that's baseball. Um, whatever. Um, just be on the lookout for the truth for that. I usually plan them a week ahead. So you guys will have an updated um, information on that. What also brings me to the point before I sign off here is let's say, for example, I do a Thursday show, Saturday show, or Sunday show, and I have to cancel it or change information. I post all that stuff on Twitter. Um, so make sure you have notifications on that too, so you can check that out. But like I said, I appreciate the support of the series and just in general, it's been really fun to do. And I'm really excited because football season starts in two days with the opening kickoff of Bills and Rams. So thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. Like I said, appreciate the love and support, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Until next time, it is your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, signing out. Take care, and good night.